deep breaths, everyone. There's still time to save the day. With Great Value Home Cover from Super Value Insurance. You'll get 15% off online and shopping vouchers with every policy. That's a great deal for the cover you need anyway. All it takes is one big click or call. Just visit supervalue.ie slash insurance or call 0818 0101101 and our team will save the day without the drama. Terms and conditions apply. Vouchers include two 10 euro or 40 euro spend. Home contents only policies excluded. This home insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. Super Value Financial Services DAC trading with Super Value Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Down the street from my cafe tambourine, there's a place called Rakam's. You couldn't say Rakam and I were old friends. We were just old competitors. Somehow, we managed to stay out of each other's way until he hired Tasana. I'd heard about Tasana. They said she was tall, tan, and terrific. That when she danced, it was like a moving bronze statue, alive and sultry. Yeah, they said her dancing was out of this world. Well, that's what happened to a couple of people who watched her. They, too, went out of this world. Again, we bring you a story of adventure with a man named Rocky Jordan, proprietor of the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo. Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern life unfolds against the backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, Count Me Out. My business hadn't been getting any better since Tisano went to work for Rockcom. I decided to find out why. It was a little after one in the morning when I locked up my place and strolled over to Rockcom's to catch the last show. I made two stops on the way. Once when Hinnock, one of the street beggars, collared me for a coin. Then, just as I was about to push open the door to Rockcom's, I ran into Barney Grogan. When he saw me, his big puffy eyes lit up like pumpkins on Halloween. Barney was a matte-burned ex-wrestler who'd taken more dives than an Olympic diving champion on exhibition. Every time you bumped into him, he had a new pitch, the kind you have to handle with fumigated gloves. I didn't want any part of him. Hiya, Rock. Hello, Grogan, and so long. Oh, now, wait a minute, Rocky. You ain't gonna give your old pal Barney Grogan a brush out for you. How do you catch on so easy? Look, Rock, I got a deal for you, a real deal. Some other time, I get business. In Rock Arms? <laughs> Look, I'll give you a tip. You can't watch Tasana dance and think about business. It won't work. Oh, she's that good, huh? Sensational, Rock, sensational. But look, why don't you give it the go-by for tonight? I got a red-hot idea. Money in it. Little proposition I want to talk over with you. Beat it, Grogan. I'm not in the market for any of your deals, hot or cold. Rocky, so help me if you'll just let me give you the inside... Uh-uh. Now remove that overstuffed fist from my shoulder, huh? Okay, okay, Rock. Go on in and give this honor the once-over. But I'll be seeing you later. Yes, sir. You're going to be wanting in on this deal, so I'll be waiting for you. Well, don't do it around the tambourine. It's closed for the night. Closed, huh? Okay, Rock. Okay, I'll see you. A couple of Arabs in flowing white robes eased past us and went inside. But what was behind them caught my eye. There were two men. One walked two steps behind and to the left of the other. I got the feeling they'd measured it that way. Both wore pinstripe pants, well-tailored afternoon coats, and ascots. 
They weren't winking at me. Those were really monocles. I followed them on inside. Sana had just finished a number and the customers were hanging on the ropes. Rakam was standing over by the bar, grinning like an undertaker on his day off. I worked my way through the crowd and found a small table in the rear. Rakam spotted me and came over. He slipped his round body into a chair and tucked his watch charm under the table. Well, Rocky, it is not often you honor me with your presence. Ah, uh, Rakam, I don't have to ask you how's business. Uh, no. Uh, no, you need not ask. Uh, is this not wonderful? <laughs> and I owe it all to my little Tisan, my beautiful little flower, my adorable... Your adorable little gold mine. Yes, my adorable little gold mine. How about letting her do a couple of guest shots in my place, Rakam? Uh, Tisan, I should let her go to your... Rocky, you take me for a fool? <laughs> Surely you must be joking. Yeah, sure, I was just joking. May I sit down, Mr. Jordan? Tisana, my dear, of course, of course, do sit down. Tisana, this is my old friend, Rocky Jordan. Yes, yes, uh, I know. I've heard much of you, Mr. Jordan. Well, I wouldn't classify you as top secret, Tisana. Uh, Mr. Jordan was just telling me, my Rakam, dear... Rakam, uh, would you mind leaving us alone? I would like to talk to Mr. Jordan. Hmm? Alone, Rakam. Oh, very well. But remember, Tisana... You, you must change your costume for the next number. I will not be long. Hey. Well, I will see you later. Uh, don't hurry, Rakam. Oh, what's on your mind? I, uh, I need help, Mr. Jordan. I, I've been threatened. And what you need is a bodyguard or a private eye. I'm not for hire. Please, Mr. Jordan, listen to me. Why don't you take it to the police? No. No, I don't want the police involved in this. Mm, private matter, huh? Mr. Jordan, look over there. You see that man sitting at the table near the door? The tall, handsome man with the monocle. He is Count Frassino. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't recognized him before. You... you do not know him? I'll admit he stands out in a crowd. What's with the monocle and striped pants? He's an Italian nobleman, Mr. Jordan. A very old family. Who's the carbon copy with him, his brother? No, no. He's Count Frassino's personal secretary. They're always together. His name is Romani. Oh, and what about the Count? Has he been sending you little mash notes? Mr. Jordan, I, I can't tell you now. Will you come to my dressing room after the show? Look, lady, I said I wasn't for hire. Very well. But I am certain we can make other arrangements. Uh, <clears throat> well, I... Uh... Thank you, Mr. Jordan. I'm so happy you like my number. If you would care to stay, I will dance especially for you. Huh? Oh, Romani's paying us a visit, huh? Okay. Yeah, I could use a floor show like you over at my place, Tisana. Business has been kind of falling off lately. I'm honored, Mr. Jordan, but my... Tell me what happened, Mrs. Burke. Well, I... I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Did you kill your husband? Are you mad like my daughter is mad? Look at him. Dead. My husband dead. His weakness is death. The gun in his hand says that. Yeah. Could have been suicide or powder burns. Attitude of his body. Just this. How did you happen to get here before I did? Because you were further away. You were down the hall. I was in the next room. Yeah. What would Dr. Burke want to kill himself for? Who knows the inner turnings of a man's mind, Mr. Clover? Maybe his wife. I did. He was a weak man. I've said that. Yes, you did. Which means you've told me exactly nothing. You'll have to tell me a lot more, Mrs. Burke. Ask me something. I will. 
First, we've got to make this death official, Mrs. Burke. There'll be photographers and print men and a coroner cluttering up your house. But you won't mind that. A woman like you doesn't mind anything, does she, Mrs. Burke? I was right. Mrs. Burke didn't mind. The neat, efficient trampling over a little dentist's life and death, she didn't mind. The questions, like steel prongs that raked over her brain and her sorrows and her dreams, she didn't mind. The fact that her answers added up to nothing, she minded least of all. At headquarters, I slept until the reports and analyses and photographs had been cataloged and filed and stacked and restacked and mulled over. Slept until Sergeant Gino Tataglia had watered them down. Well, you may awake now, Danny. I have digested everything and watered it down to simple terms even a child could understand. <sighs> Did a call come while I slept, Tataglia? No, Danny, no calls. You expecting one? From Rhoda Lynn. I made her promise to call me. What have you got? A big pile of nothing, Danny. The technicians from technical say it is extremely possible that our dentists did indeed and to wit commit suicide. Oh, they were very smug about it, Danny. What else? Uh, that question you asked me, the question of Dr. Sinsky? Uh-huh. He answers it in the affirmative. He says the X-ray thing is entirely possible. It happened here in New York two years ago. What happened here in New York two years ago, Danny? Danny Clover speaking. This is Rhoda, Mr. Clover. I'm calling you just as you told me to do. Are you in your father's room? Yes. You won't be going out again tonight? No, I won't, Mr. Clover. I'm going right to sleep. Hey, Danny. Danny, you can't leave me alone without I know what happened in New York two years ago. Danny! Good enough for you, Danny? Yeah, fine. You have much trouble getting the people in this apartment to go to the movies? Uh-uh. Well, some, but not much. Everybody likes free passes. Watch that room across the air shaft, Mugovan. That's Dr. Burke's office. Uh-huh. Uh, the dark room with the shade up? Yeah. I got a theory, kid. The only way I'll know I'm right is if we see another murder tonight. Oh. Huh? Like this. Go on the premise that Dr. Lynn was murdered. Dr. Lynn, the first husband of Mrs. Burke, the father of Rhoda. Go on that theory, Mugovan. Okay, let's. Dr. Lynn murdered because his wife wanted him out of the way so she could marry somebody else. I'd taken three steps into the cafe when a flash of light cut across the room. Enoch and I hit the floor together and then someone ran past us. A second or two later, I heard the back door slam. I got up, walked over and turned on the lights. The cafe was empty. Enoch had disappeared. A minute later, he came running out of my office. Come, look. What's up, Enoch? In here, Mr. Jordan, your office. Oh, I don't see anything. No, no, look. There on your desk, Mr. Jordan. Lying on the blotter on my desk was a gun. Not just any kind of gun. It was shiny and new and had all the earmarks of an Italian dueling pistol. I picked it up. It was a dueling pistol, all right. Hollow, made out of tin. The kind of a gun that would make a great duel between six-year-olds... Mr. Jordan, it is a child's toy. Stick around, Hinnock. I got places to go. But, 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 Mr. Jordan... I said stick around. I raced back out into the alley. It was dark and deserted. I whirled around at the sound, and then I saw him at the end of the alley. He stumbled as he passed under the street lamp. I went after him. When I got to the corner, he was gone. I moved on down the alley till I came to a half-open door. 
There was a light inside. It was the rear entrance to Rakam's place. I pushed it open and went in. I followed the red splotches on the floor to the far end of the corridor, where there was a door with a battered silver star nailed to it. Tisana's dressing room. Sprawled on the floor in a pool of blood was the muscle-bound wrestler Barney Grogan. Both shoulders were touching the floor. He lost his last decision to a bullet. Rocky Jordan will be back in just a moment. Yes, it was mighty good news when you listeners indicated by your letters that you wanted Rocky Jordan back on the air. So we've put him in one of the outstanding mystery lineups in radio. Over your CBS station every Sunday night, you'll hear not only Rocky Jordan, but Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's great private eye, and The Whistler, one of the most popular shows on the air. Remember, this half hour each Sunday evening will be the time for Rocky Jordan. Now back to tonight's story, Count Me Out. Barney Grogan was dead, all right. You wouldn't need a certificate from the Cairo Health Department to prove that. I glanced about Tisana's dressing room. There was nothing there that told me anything. I closed the door behind me. The crowd out front was calling for Tisana. I skirted my way around the crowded tables and opened the door to Rakam's office. He was sitting at his desk. Across from him sat Romani, Count Frosino's right-hand man. They were surprised when I walked in, and even more surprised when I picked up the phone and dialed for the police. Rocky, who are you calling? The police. Nothing to get excited about, Rakam. Just a small case of murder. Murder, did you say, Jordan? Yeah, Romani. The corpse is here. Here? Jordan, you are joking. Cairo police, Captain Sabaya. It is impossible there has been no Relax, Rakam. Hello, Cairo police, Captain Sabaya. Sam, this is Jordan. Can you come on? Rocky, what is going on? You must tell me. Shut up, Rakam. Hello, Sam. Yes, what is the matter? Speak up, Jordan. Sam, get out your notebook. Somebody's done it again. There's a body in no, Rakam's place. No, this is some kind of a what, trick of yours, Jordan. What are you talking about? You want to ruin my business. Will you shut you, up? You... Jordan, what is going on there? Put on your open-toed sandals, Sam. Rakam's place. Tell you about it when you get here. Rocky, what is this all about? There's a dead man backstage, Rakam. In Tizana's dressing room. Tizana? In Tizana's dressing room? Yeah, Romani. Character named Barney Grogan. Oh, by the way, uh, where is Tisana? She... I don't know. She should be doing her number now. No, she's not. And your customers are getting pretty restless. How did you find out about this dead man, Mr. Jordan? It's a long story, Romani. Wait. Where are you going? Back to my cafe. I have an important matter to look into. Give my regards to Sabaya. I made it out the front door through a crowd of impatient customers. They were shouting for Tisana. I walked down the block to my place. As soon as I entered the tambourine, I knew something was wrong. The lights were still out. In the paper about your people finding the girl, I had to see. I have to look at her, Miss Clover. I doubt whether this is the girl you're looking for. Well, Mary Varden is about 32. She has dark hair that combs straight back. Well, I know, Mr. Dorsey. We've got missing person, aren't we? For a week, you've been coming here. And, and... the color of her eyes is blue. She's a very lovely person. Yes. Uh, Mr. Clover, mm-hmm. this girl, this girl you're going to show me now. Not identified. Found in a cheap room, asphyxiation, faulty gas fixture, probably accidental. Oh, what would Mary be doing in a cheap room? I'm trying to tell you. Well, please. Please, I have to see her. All right. I never expected to meet anybody like Mary in my whole life. I've been coming to New York regularly. 
But this trip, I met her. That was two weeks ago. I asked her to marry me at the end of the first week, and she said yes, and then all of a sudden she disappeared. That was a week ago. That's why I've been coming down here every day to see you. Okay, Mr. Crosser. Wait. Wait just a minute now. Please don't let her be married. Go ahead, Mr. Crosser. Well? Oh, the poor girl. Yes, sir. No, no. Truly, yes. Truly, I'm sorry for this poor girl. And I'm thankful she's not married. You must understand, of course. Annie? Hmm? Yes, what is it, Sergeant? Morgan just called. Homicide. Alley, back of West 3rd. Uh, here. Here's the address. Yeah. You all right, Mr. Dorsey? Oh, I'm all right. But, uh, I wonder... What, sir? Would anybody mind if I just waited outside? They'll be bringing other people into this place, won't they? Wait if you want. They'll be bringing other people in. Get me a squad car, Sergeant. Beaten, face, head. When we get him downtown, we'll probably find other marks. Looks like that kind of effort was made on him. Now, shine the flash, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. That brick over there, a little ways away from where his hand's reaching out. What about it? The blood stains on it. I figure it's what finished the effort. The thing that killed him. Where his hand's reaching out. You find anything there? Uh-huh, yeah, a couple things. Roll of bills in his pants pocket, 50 bucks all told. It's a robbery job. Let's see, cigarettes, uh, breath sweeteners in his coat, inside breast pocket, this wallet, identification card, uh, name Tyler Gosden, address Lane Hotel, West 39th Street, case of action, notify that part's blank. Go finish up here, I'm not going to... Yeah, I'll make the time for it. You just buzz me anytime, Miss Tankersley. Uh, hold the phone, Miss Tankersley. There's someone at the desk. Uh, sir, just sign the register. It's right there by your elbow. Of course, Miss Tankersley. I'll bring it up myself. Bye. Sir, I said the register... Police. I want some information. Well, can it wait a bit? You see, I... Let Miss Tankersley wait, shall we? You sound pretty tough. You try it, too, huh? Some information about a guest in your hotel. Which guest? Tyler Gosden. Oh, what mad thing has he done now? Huh? Last week it was dressing as one of our bellhops, and Look, well, I, all uh, I can say is that that wonderful couple who came here to spend their silver anniversary will never come here for their golden. So Gosden was a prankster? He thought so. If you call using brown paper bags filled with water as bombs funny, if you call climbing into that potted palm over Mr. there... Mr. Gosden is dead. He was found beaten to death. Oh. Well, please understand. What? His funnies were never offensive, sir. At least not to me, I certainly had no reason to dislike the man. So Who certainly... Was I... Well, sir, I wouldn't know that. I stand here behind the desk and offer the register and answer the house phone and do like that when I want a boy front. Uh, uh, never, never mind, boy. I was just showing the... That's all I do. Well, all you've told me so far about Mr. Gosden is that he was a practical joker. Well, that's all I know about him. He did these funny things and everybody loved him. Who were his friends? Well, he was friendly to everybody. Made everybody laugh. He had two very dear friends, lady friends, who called often. 
And when he was out, they always left a number. So often that I think I know it by memory. That's good. That's very good. Uh, here, I'll write it down for you so it won't slip your mind. There. He'll really be missed, Mr. Gosden will, by those of us here. Sadly. Use the house phone for a call to headquarters. Check a phone number against an address. And in a little while, be given it. 58th Street, off 1st Avenue, near the East River. And outside, and city swelling now with night, the early night, the span to pace solitude, desire. Against a later time, when somewhere a trumpet will pierce, a woman will giggle, and full night will burst open. But now, the time of easier rhythms, the smiling search, and ride it uptown to a quieter street of river sounds and river longings, and a house softly lit, softly admitted to. Please come in. And into a room, lamp shaded in pink and fringed silk, and couch velvet and rose pink. And in corners, cylinders of hand-painted glass holding sprays of flowering peach branches, pink blossoms, withered. And in a carved cabinet, radio tuned to the gentler air channels. And the woman of the house also. Oh, I could dance, I could dance, I could dance. Mrs. Pfeiffer's... Dinah, the other name. So, I don't know. Dinah. And we'll get along famously. Oh, dance. I really could. This music is You understood, so... didn't you? You understood I'm from the police. Yes, and you were called Danny. And you don't frighten me one whit, you don't, you and your police. I'm a deserted woman, you know, and I don't frighten easily. Look, uh... Seven years now, deserted. That's Mr. Pfeiffer. Inveigles me into marriage, the glorious week of it. Then absconds with my heart, my dreams. Traitors. Deserters. And I, a woman alone, going on seven years now. You haven't found Mr. Pfeiffer yet, have you? Well, I've been trying to tell you. We found someone else. Tyler Gosden. <laughs> Tyler. That idiot, that clown, that love. What's the foolish fellow done now? Mercy me, if bail's required, I'll be on well, to have we found him in an alley. He'd been beaten to death. Tyler? Laugh a minute, Tyler? Beaten to death. Murdered. I'll cry. I really will. Now you see, I'm crying. I really am. I'm sorry. You're sorry. He was fun. Tyler did ridiculous things. Once he put on a hat of mine, one of my fans, and performed. And other times he... And you're the one who's sorry. There are things I need to know about him. Things that, that'll help there. you. Now, I've cried for him. And I've remembered him in all the ways Tyler would want to be remembered. Now, what more could I possibly do? His friends. People who... Oh, I never knew his other friends. It was something that never stood between us. Tyler had come here, and Valerie and I had rustled up a little something. Valerie? You knew about me and Tyler, and you didn't know about Valerie and Tyler? Tell me. Valerie Moore used to live here with me. All this pink, that was her idea. Where is she now? Well, let me finish, will you? Just a week ago, it's what we spatted over. I was so tired of all this pinky pink, I could scream. One day I told her right out. She spilled a pitcher of martinis right over my head. I ordered her out of my house. You know where she is? Tyler told me. Tyler said she had an apartment of her own on West 80th. 1924 West 80th. Hmm. Dessert. My noble employer is enjoying a holiday. 
Does it seem strange that he should want to visit the cafes of Cairo? Where is the noble character now, Romani? He has returned to his villa for the evening. I myself saw him to his automobile a few moments before you came into Rakam's office to call the police, Mr. Jordan. Yes, that is true, Captain. Romani was settling the check of Count Frasino when Mr. Jordan came into the office. Mm. Which brings up another important little item, Captain. After Mr. Jordan called you, he rushed back to his cafe. Should you not ask him why? I went back to stock up on toothpicks, Sam. Does that satisfy you? No, it does not. I didn't think it would. Well, I see no point in sticking around here. Where are you going, Jordan? Out to make a social call, unless you have an official word to utter, Sam. No, but I would like to see you in the morning, Jordan. You're write it down somewhere so I won't forget, Sam. Good night, gentlemen. Inside of five minutes, I was in the back seat of a cab heading toward the west end of Cairo. Between the bounces, I tried to put the loose ends together. A murder, a toy gun, a missing dancer. It all made an interesting puzzle. I figured the missing pieces might come from an Italian named Count Frasino. Shortly before 2 a.m., the cab pulled up in front of a 50-room shanty in the outskirts of town. I told the driver to wait, ran up the marble steps to the front door, and started leaning on the bell. A minute or so later, a prune-faced old native opened the heavy panel door. Yes? What is it, Effendi? Oh, just tell your boss that a man named Jordan wants to see him, huh? I am sorry, Effendi. Count Frasino cannot be disturbed. Oh, he won't mind just this once. No, wait, wait. You cannot come oh, in. Let's not be antisocial. No, I-, I will call the guards. No. I said this was important. Please, Effendi, please, you must not disturb Count Frasino. Never mind, Kadar. You will let the gentleman enter. I looked up to see Count Frasino standing at the end of a long corridor. The striped pants and ascot had been replaced by a gray flannel sport coat and midnight blue slacks. But the monocle was still firmly in place. He nodded for me to follow him, and we worked our way past a display of marble statues that would put the Cairo Museum to shame. So a lady could peek out and look on the moon in case she cannot sleep and so desires. So moved the band. Come spring, Tartaglia suddenly emerges from his cocoon, sprouts the muscles of a moving man. Every spring with Mrs. T, and always at night when a fellow... And now you're awake, huh? <clears throat> Naturally. And to the items of the day, shall we? You think so? If not now, where else? As follows. Concerning the deceased woman, Valerie Moore, whom you found hanging, a slight record. Oh? In December of last year, a matter of disturbing the peace in a Third Avenue bar pleaded guilty, paid fine, was released. In May of last year, an altercation with a neighbor. Seemed Miss Moore had lost her house key, was going around beating on neighbor's doors. Let me in, she yodeled. Booked, admonished, released. Such slight goings-on back a period of several years. Nothing big. Anything else? What else is? That up until a year ago was employed as clerk accountant in the mail-order firm of Metropolitan Products Distribution, Inc., Lower Manhattan, West 3rd Street. What else is? Has been living with a Mrs. Dinah Pfeiffer until recently. Moved to her own apartment a week and a half ago where you found her last night. Neither of these two ladies, one deserted, one divorced, employed, according to routine checks made by Detective Mugovan, as of now. Nothing else, huh? Who says... This is what else. That up until his being beaten to death in an alley, Tyler Gosden was employed also at Metropolitan Products District Manager. Gino, 
Uh, squad car will be there by the time you walk downstairs. Bye, Danny. Ride the morning now to 12th Street. And find an address. And find a building directory just inside the doorway. Metropolitan Products Distribution Incorporated, four flights out. Past the dealer in stamps and old coins and through the glass door. The gray hair and serenity of a small man seated with a book and a smile. At next flight, collection agency, large man, ledger, and no smile. And upstairs again, Body Conditioning Institute, a sign proclaiming that a Mr. Wilkins, who military pressed 812 pounds at the Chicago World's Fair, will do just the thing for your particular problem with Mr. Wilkins' patented process. Up again, fourth flight. The long loft fitted with many desks and people. The young woman asks name and mission. Be directed to the office at the end of the room and be told by the time you get there you'll be announced. So past the desks and the people, and the mottos packed to the wall having to do with thinking, watching clocks, and saving nine stitches. Office. Walk in. My name's Jeffrey Hopkins, Mr. Clover. Please be seated. Thank you. It's about Tyler Gosden, of course. That's right. Nobody needed him. Oh? Let's be honest now, shall we? Sure. This was his office. District manager. I said let's be honest. That's why I'm smiling. Go on. Now it's my office. Now that he's dead. Tyler Gosden was, let me see, a despicable man. Yes, I think that's the word. He played practical jokes. I've heard. Such as calling me on a Sunday afternoon and telling me I'd been transferred to Vincennes, Indiana. I'd pack and he'd call back. I've heard all about that, Mr. Hopkins. Right now, maybe you can tell me something about Tyler Gosden and a woman named Valerie Moore. Yes, I read of her dying, too. I'm sorry about Valerie. Oh, you knew her, too? After she left our employ, she came up here a few times, waited for Tyler. I did my best to entertain her. You liked her? How does a married man like another woman? An attractive, vital woman. One that circumstance demands that all he can do for her is demonstrate how to take apart a key puzzle. I admired her. She was honest. And she and Garston were friends. And what else can you tell me? The day before yesterday, Thursday. Yes? Arthur Ellison was in the office. Who? Mr. Ellison, one of our salesmen from Richmond. He said he had once met... And only son. He is to be my successor and heir. He's the only one who can carry on our family name. So, you see, this is most important, Mr. Jordan. Count, I think we can do business. Business? About finding your son. You know where he is. Well, suppose I put it this way. Suppose I say... Brasino pitched forward, bounced against his desk fell into the broken glass on the floor. I raced out to the terrace. It was deserted, and the lawn looked peaceful and quiet. I went back inside and bent over the unconscious form of Count Frasino. He was still breathing. Then the whole door banged open, and the prune-faced native rushed in, followed by a couple of Frasino's guards. From the looks on their faces, I could see they wouldn't wait for explanations. I flipped the table into them as they rushed me and ducked out into the terrace. I just crossed the lawn and reached the shadows along a row of trees when the guards opened up from the terrace. In the street, my cabbie had heard the shots and he started to get his hack moving. As he went past me, I jumped on the running board and we roared around the corner and headed back to Cairo. Rocky Jordan will be back in just a minute. Here's a note of importance to listeners who like top drawer mysteries. Rocky Jordan has joined Sam Spade and The Whistler to make this CBS threesome the best mystery block on the air. 
Remember that this is the time you'll hear Rocky Jordan every Sunday night. And you'll want to hear, too, Sam Spade and The Whistler. Remember this threesome in top-notch mystery adventure on CBS. Now for the ending of tonight's story. It was like Tassana's dance routine. You couldn't wind up the show without the final climax to keep the customers happy. And I wanted to give Sam Sabaya his money's worth. Now, when the cab and I had made it back to town, I pulled up at the nearest phone booth. The cabbie pocketed his change without a smile and roared away. I uh, did find some nickels. Cairo Police, Captain Sabaya. Jordan, Sam. If you want to wind up the Barney Grogan affair, I've got the missing pieces. What's that, Jordan? Meet me at the corner of Sharia Ramar and Delhi Road. Don't stop to bring popcorn. Never mind, Jordan. I believe I can wind it up right here. Say that again, Sam. My men picked up the dancer this hour 20 minutes ago. She was getting on the train for Alexandria. She, uh, wasn't alone, was she, Sam? No, as a matter of fact, Jordan, she About, had... uh, six years old, huh, Sam? I'd even bet he was carrying a toy gun. How did you know, Jordan? <laughs> I'll fill in the details later. Now get rolling, will you, Sam? <laughs> Sam got rolling. In less than ten minutes, we were easing down the alley back at the tambourine. I brought him up to date on the affair, but I could see he still wasn't too sold on it. So this Barney Grogan kidnapped the child. Isn't that what Tassina, or Tassana rather, told you? Yes, but... Uh... Works out that way, Sam. He was going to sell out to the highest bidder. He knew how much the Count wanted the boy, too. Tassana could have shot Grogan in your cafe. But she know? didn't, Sam. That's why Grogan staggered back to Tassana's dressing room. Since he knew it was all over for him anyway, he wanted Tassana to have a boy. He told her where to look. That is her story, yes. All right. So while I'm over at Rakam's calling you, she ducked back to my cafe, picked up the boy, and beat it. Now, if you... Just uh... a minute, Jordan. What's up, Sam? A light in your cafe. I... I saw it a moment ago. Yeah, that must be... There it is again, Sam. It's upstairs. Come on. <laughs> I pushed open the alley door to the tambourine. Sam and I slipped inside. As we crossed the darkened room, we could hear someone moving around up above, from room to room. Then the footsteps came closer. He was walking down the balcony. I switched on the lights. Romani stood there at the head of the stairs, his mouth wide open. Just as he brought his gun up, Sam fired. Romani folded in the middle, reached out for the banister, missed plunged headlong down the stairs. Well, that's the way it ended. Before Romani died, he filled in the missing pieces. He figured on killing Count Frosino, then taking the boy back to Italy. Once there, he could become the boy's guardian and also take care of the Count's king-sized estate. He hired Barney Grogan to do the job, but Barney held out for more money and Romani threatened him. Grogan got scared and came to me. When Romani saw the two of us talking in front of Rakam's place, he figured he'd have to act fast, so he caught up with Grogan at my place. He'd have gotten the boy then, too, if I hadn't walked in. Well, later at police headquarters, Sam still had a couple of questions. Jordan, uh, how did you know he was coming to your cafe tonight? Oh, it was a long shot, Sam. I figured the guy who had tried to knock off Count Forsino had overheard part of our conversation out there. From the way I'd talked, I guess he must have thought the kid was still in my cafe and that he'd rush back to my place on the double. Hmm. 
there is one more thing, Jordan. Yes, sir. Why did you not mention this boy when I talked to you at Rakam's place earlier this evening? Sam, who ever heard of reporting a cap pistol to the police? Jordan. Look, this... Sam, the deal was earmarked kidnapped from the beginning. You know I don't like to become involved in those things. Jordan, I know you like to keep certain things to yourself. And I know that when there is a kidnapping, there is also ransom or a reward. You you did not have this in mind, of, of course. Sam, my boy, I haven't made a nickel on the deal, so help me. Not yet, anyway. But I've been around here long enough to know that when anyone comes out ahead on one of these deals, it is always Rocky Jordan. Tell me, why, why is that? That's a good question. It's <laughs> a very good question. I dropped around to the hospital the next morning to see how Count Frasino was getting along. He was going to make it okay. Tassano was there, holding his hand and smiling. The Count was very appreciative of what I'd done. Today, it's a dismal task of dirty drudgery. Imagine the heartbreaker returning to what was once your home and finding three feet of dried mud on the front porch. After scraping and digging for hours, you finally get the door open only to find dried, drifted mud banked throughout the house with everything in it destroyed beyond repair. Countless of the heartbreaking stories of human despair this great flood of 1951 has written. But you and I, neighbors of these Caw Valley folks of Kansas, can help. And I mean help with dimes and dollars. The Red Cross and other agencies have done a magnificent job taking emergency care of 10 to 15,000 refugees, and they're still doing great work in helping the needy with rehabilitation. But that's a far cry from the tremendous job that lies ahead. In Topeka alone, the loss is $100 million. That amounts to $1,000 for each and every person in this city. I'm appealing to that great heart that has made America. It's never failed before. Won't you send your contribution, large or small, to flood Topeka, Kansas? That's all the address you need. Flood Topeka, Kansas, and join me, Bob Hope, in bringing new hope to thousands of unfortunate American folks. Thank you. The William Wrigley Company has donated the time for this message from Bob.